Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort style amenities, and high quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at BrightviewSeniorLiving.com. Equal housing opportunity. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording, pre-recording from the home bunker. Folks, I'm taking a few days off for my birthday, and with that, I'm leaving you with some amazing pre-recorded conversations with some of my faves, new and old, to the show. And so first up today, I am very happy to welcome back to Woke AF Daily the executive director of GLSEN, Melanie Willingham Jaggers. And GLSEN is an organization that has been near and dear to my heart for quite some time because as a former educator in the school system, GLSEN creates curriculums and puts together instruction for schools, administrations, and students who are LGBTQ and their allies. And at a time when there is an unsafe environment that has been created for LGBTQ kids, particularly our trans youth, GLSEN's work is more important than ever. And so in this two-part kind of back-to-back episodes where first up we're going to talk to Melanie and then we're going to talk to the chair of the GLSEN board, actor and friend of mine, Wilson Cruz, tomorrow. So first up, listen to this conversation with Melanie about what GLSEN has been doing during this time of great strife, grief, anxiety, and pain for our LGBTQ youth with her work at GLSEN. Folks, I am very excited, I believe, to welcome back um, after a very long time. I think, Melanie, I'm thinking that we have not spoken since you got the job. I think right? that's right. Yep, <laughs> that's right. Very happy to welcome back uh, to Woke AF, uh, Melanie Willingham Jaggers, who is the executive director of GLSEN, 
Um, you all know about Glisten. They are a LGBTQ organization that provides so much um, content curriculum that is affirming for LGBTQ uh, young people and really helps, you know, all students, right, be able to access their empathy, their compassion, uh, and their understanding of uh, of the community. Um, Melanie, I, I mean, let's just start with this. You know, since you took the helm in, in 2019 of Glisten, now you're like a veteran. Uh, it is It has been uh, trial by fire in a lot of ways, because I don't think that We've seen the type of attacks on schools uh, that you have been presiding over um, probably since the late 1960s. Um, so how have you been doing um, and what like what have you been experiencing uh, as you've taken over this role the last few years? Yeah, I appreciate the question. Thanks for having me back on. Um, always good to be in conversation with you um, and in these forums. So, yeah, you know, it's just been going down. Uh, things have been uh, things have been happening. Um, and and here's the I think here's the the top line, and then and also maybe it's the bottom line as well, is that schools are the education as a process is the cornerstone of a democracy, right? And if we are to ever have democracy, if we ever have a country that delivers on the promises, right, that we are all kind of operating under, education is that cornerstone. We have to have people who come into participation in our democracy who have education about the, re the reality of the world around them. That's like true history, true science, um, uh, a realistic understanding of the world, right? What the phenomena are in the world so that they can come into their full citizenship and participate, right? So that's, you know, we, we may have forgotten that. Um, Bill Hooks told us, John Dewey told us, right? Education, um, uh, every, uh, democracy has to be born anew every generation and education is its midwife, right? So we, we know that, uh, but turns out uh, the ops do too, right? Um, and so yep. part of what we, the, the way that I wanna encourage us all to understand this moment is that the attacks on uh, education the ways in which classrooms have become front lines for the assaults on democracy, the way that teachers, right, are being pit against parents for the future, like really around who is educating, who is uh, their children, who is who are edu who are, who is educating the children of our country. This is a you know the nice way to put it, and the euphemistic way to put it is a culture war, right? But what this really is is an anti-democratic attack on the future, on our collective future, right? Because it is, um, they are insisting on miseducating our children. So that's that's like part one of it, right? Um, and what we know is that what authoritarians do, what fascists do, what Christian nationalists do, what white supremacists do, are come after people of color, they come yep. after queer and gender diverse people, and they come after children, right? That's a primary technique, right, of uh, this project, which is colonial and genocidal in nature. And so we have to understand, actually, that the attacks on classrooms, teachers, students, schools is really about an anti-democratic uh, vision of the future for our country. And their power is consolidating, right? And we, as advocates for young people, advocates for education, advocates for um, trans, queer, non-binary kids, 
it's our work that is right at the center of their bullseye of what it will take, who to undermine in order um, to advance their their vision without any um, without any resistance or with less resistance and less friction. So, you know, we just out here fighting for democracy, fighting for the future that we all deserve um, and for the future that our country has long promised. You know, I I think I I'm a former educator. I, I went to you know, I, I taught first and second grade. And then I went into education policy for many years uh, following that work when I lived in Washington, D.C. and worked on the Hill. And, you know, it's almost as if and this is a question for you. It's almost as if Democrats and progressives following the desegregation of schools forgot that schools are the battleground for democracy. Right. It was like we desegregated schools with Brown. Um, you know, things got uh, a bit better. Then it was like, fast forward, we all care about kids and now we're teaching to the test. But I feel like the, the, the foundation of us understanding that a democracy requires an educated citizenship seems to be something that we lost. And I'm just curious if you think the same way, like now it's, it's as if we're behind the curve trying to catch up to where the opposition has always seen education. I mean, you can look at Moms for Liberty and their quote of Hitler that they put up on their chapter page talking about if you own the children, you own the future, right? So why is it, why does it seem as if we're playing catch up to something that we knew back in the 50s was so important? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I'm not going to give you my comrade Mel answer. Uh, I'll, we could do that offline. <laughs> but here's what, I, here's what I'd say. Here's what I'd say for the pod. Um, you know, I was in a conversation um, last week uh, at the White House, and someone really smart in that room um, said that what we need right now is kind of, in, in terms of education, where we need to be thinking about is a what is the next step after reform? We've been in an re- education reform moment for a long time. Um, and I think that what education reform did and does is put the deficit, put the onus on the child, on the learner, right? What we have to understand actually is our education system is deeply broken. So just to go, you know, talking to a, a fellow policy nerd, just to go um, nerd for a second, we yeah. often think about school boards, right? And school districts. Um, And we often think about the school system. But similarly to like when uh, before marriage equality was the law of the land, right, when you could be married in Massachusetts, but not married in Pennsylvania, even though you're the same two people crossing state lines. Similarly with our and we have 50 states, right? Similarly with Mm -hmm. our kids. Policies, there there are basic rules of the road, right, that are federal requirements, guidelines, et cetera. And then there's so much that is. Um, hand it to localities for them to control. And so what we don't have is an education system. We have 16,000 education systems. And so, you know, like the school around the corner from me up here in Harlem, New York, is different from, it's the same school system, it's the same school system, right? But it's different in in the teachers that are teaching, kind of in the policies, uh, et cetera, than the school up the street and around the corner, Frederick Douglass Academy, right? So there's a way in which our kids don't actually have a promise of 
um, of consistent education across the board. And that's even within one district. Now, God help us that we have 16,000 districts, uh, many, some of whom are run by folks who are progressive, who have their, you know, have their eye on the prize, who know that learners need to be safe in their minds, in their hearts, and in their bodies in order to learn. And they are building, these incredible school leaders are building education systems to teach the babies, right? Um, and then in other districts, right, fools, uh, fools are in charge, right, where they are yep. limiting history and, you know, denying science and, you know, making the world smaller and smaller so that the kids that come out of those districts are less and less prepared to deal with the world as it is, right, to, to navigate it successfully. And so I think that where we are at is that, to your point, we absolutely have taken our ball, our eye off the ball um, mm-hmm. around education's core, um, uh, education as a core component of democracy. We've lost the, we've lost the thread there and long have because we, for so long, for about 30 years, right, have been putting the onus on kids saying, oh, these kids are behind. Oh, these kids lost lost some learning over the summer. Oh, we'll be cutting funding and we'll be breaking teachers unions and we'll be privatizing um, public uh, responsibility and privatizing uh, public wealth uh, in, in the form of, um, of private schools, et cetera. But it's the kids who are really the problem, right? So what we are in need of now is a new and refreshed understanding for this moment that's really about not taking our eye off the ball when it comes to building a democracy for the future. And, you know, here's the thing. Sometimes you realize things too late, right? Our democracy is under attack and it's been under attack for a long time. And so, you know, is, are we in a, are we in a position where we have the political will and the runway, right? To, to Mm write the ship. And that's what, so that's what me and so many other folks are, um, are both fighting to turn the ship, but also fighting to, to beat the clock. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here.
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. You know, one of the things that I have been finding over the last couple of years, too, and maybe this is just by virtue of like reading and also just being exhausted with the fight the way that it has been, which is that resistance is in and of itself is not enough. Right. The way that we have been resisting, the way that we have continually been fighting inch by inch by inch and then getting pushed back, you know, several feet every every generation, every few years. And I wonder in your thinking in the way that we have had schools be the battleground that we know what the opposition is doing. How do you see resistance and the way that we've been resisting differently? Or how we need to change, you know, our thinking, because I just don't think that trying to block a thing Mm -hmm. is enough. It's it's what are we creating? Right. That I don't think that just and, and this is, again, me. I don't think that just screaming at the opposition is enough. I think that it is a, what are we dreaming about? How are mm-hmm. we moving that dream further? And so I wonder for you, how has your understanding or idea of conceptualization of resistance changed over the last four years, given what you've seen? Yeah, it's a great question. And also you uh, you asked the question and you gave the answer I was going to I was going to offer. Right. Which is that <laughs> uh, which is that, you know, it is it's imperative for us to stop the bad stuff. And or accept that that's actually not enough and never has been, right? We have to have a vision, a positive vision for the future of what, not only what we don't want, but actually what is the thing that's going to have to be present in order for us to get the outcomes we want. And as I just said, right, we have to think, we have to begin thinking up beyond the uh, the kind of reform moment of, um, of education, um, where young people, their parents, their poor communities, et cetera, and their poor broke schools, quote unquote, are the problems and understand that actually we have a collective responsibility to ensure that every kid in our country is educated and prepared to participate fully and build for the first time, by the way, a multiracial democracy that includes us all, right? That's the vision, that's where we're going. And I think that, you know, here's what I'll, here's also another thing that I'll say, which is we're finally in a month for, for a very long time since since desegregation. What has happened is that, you know, uh, black folks, women and femmes, people who are poor, working class and low income have been dis- decisions have been made about them and us without their and our voices at the table, right? We've been kind of mm-hmm. patted on the head and say, hey, you know, we appreciate your stories, but actually we know better. Um, and actually maybe you're the problem. And I think that in this moment, what we're seeing um, is both a deep um, uh, and widespread transition of leadership where there are more people who are uh, coming from impacted communities in decision-making roles. And so we actually mm-hmm. have a full understanding not just the not just the brain smarts, the book smarts, but like the heart knowledge, the body knowledge, the fact that we have where wherever we are, right? We still have family and friends who are who are where we came from, right? And so there's a way in which we have a holistic understanding of how these systems work 
how these systems don't work and what the fixes are for them. And so, um, so yeah, that's what I would offer. Let me know if I, if that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. And I think that, you know, it is, it's just important for us. And I, you know, I, I remember being younger and, uh, and thinking to yeah, myself, I remember being like, younger too. I, right. <laughs> we all, we all remember that, you know, wow. where, you know, consistently pounding against, you know, the door consistently mm-hmm. pounding against the table and I just I understand now as, you know, as as elders were like, we need a different way. We need a we need a new way. Like you need it's like you need the pounders, but you also need the thinkers and you need the weavers and you need the dreamers and you need mm-hmm. all of these different people in order to create this universe that we want for all kids. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- how I keep thinking about young queer people, queer students when Florida was taking down their rainbow stickers out of their classrooms and their safe place, safe uh, place stickers out of their classrooms is, you know, share with us some of the things that LGBTQ kids have been met with in their classrooms. And, you know, for many, school was a safe space right? Like maybe they're not accepted at home, but that teacher, that coach was the one that saw them and now by seeing them can lose their job. So I just want you to be able for the audience to have some real life understanding of of the stories that you're hearing. Yeah. Well, listen, we, you know, we all understand how important it is to have love and support, period, full stop right? Like kids succeed when you put love and support in their way. They fail when you put barriers and you withhold love and support from them. It's literally just how animals work, how human animals work. It's how life works. And so, you know, um, what we are seeing, um, a, a couple of things I would, I would say here. One, it's a universal law that kids fail when you put barriers in front of them. Kids fail when you with when when you withdraw and remove and ban and outlaw support. Yeah. And so yep. what we're seeing is children failing, right? In terms mm. of um, school attendance, in terms of mental health well being, which I'll come back to, right? In, t- in terms of um, in terms of grades, in terms of learning, we can't yeah. learn when we feel like we are in danger. We can't learn when yep. we feel like we are abandoned. We can't learn when we're hungry, right? We can't learn when we are hurting. And so, and I'll come back to the hurting in a second, right? But like, if we understand, and teachers do understand this, what is necessary for kids to succeed and for kids to learn, how absurd is it that actually parents whose job it is to love and support and raise whole human beings are being pitted against the folks in the only system in our society that is intended only for care, education, right? Yep. There's not, it's not intended for punishment. It's not intended for anything else, right? It's literally only supposed to teach and support children. Um, and somehow, right, the, the holders of that system are being pitted against. And I think both in false opposition, but then also <laughs> there are some deeply cynical and unloving and unfit parents that are actually coming at education and educators, um, knowing full well what they're doing, right? What they want to do is create a world that's smaller for their kids than yep. the one that they live in as parents. Yep. That's like part one. Part two is the incredibly deep mental health crisis that we are in the middle of right now. 
And I say we, not young people. I say we as a collective, right? We yep. can name the multiple crises that are happening right now that are stacking upon, interlocking between, right? Compounding down on all of us. And we are adults, right? We've got autonomy, yes. we've got income, right? We've got discretionary income if we're lucky. We can choose what to do with our time for the most part. We can choose our coping mechanisms, right? There's a way in which we have a level of autonomy and self-direction in this moment. And even we aren't okay. And so right. what oh about a five-year-old? What about mm-hmm. a 10-year-old? What about a 13-year-old? What about an 18-year-old? Right. And so what we and and I'll just zoom in here for a moment to share this this statistic that continues to break my heart every time I think about it. So we've lost over a million people from the coronavirus uh, pandemic right here in this country. And while the like policy wise, government wise, business wise, the pandemic is over for those listening, I'm doing air quotes. The pandemic is over. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, while that is while that is true based on the policy realities and how everyone is acting, right? What is what we also know is that folks have been um, permanently marked by this pandemic. And so here's one here's one statistic uh, as an example, which is seven out of ten children who uh, who lost a parent or caregiver during COVID. So right, seven out of the ten kids whose parents or caregivers died during the coronavirus pandemic. Wow. Wow. Seven of those 10 young people are black, indigenous, and Latinx, 70%. Mm. And so forget everything else for a second, right? Forget the like deep economic uh, trouble that folks are in, that working people, you know, despite working one and two jobs, don't have enough money to like, you know, to, to make the ends meet. Forget for a second the, you know, the deep insecurity and both, and like the lack of safety that people feel moving through their communities and moving through um, moving through the streets. Just understand that uh, 70% of the kids who lost their parents during COVID are black and brown, right? And like the deep heartbreak of that, right? Yeah. The deep trauma, um, the deep uh, sadness. And so what that looks like in a five, and like what that looks like for me, right? For as a person who didn't lose a, a parent or caregiver who's in my 40s, who's lost dozens of people in this pandemic, dozens of people who I know and love to COVID. I'm, I'm grown. I'm yeah. grown and I'm carrying around yep. a, a heavy backpack of sadness, right? Yeah. So yep. when we're talking about how are kids doing, uh, not good because n- none of us are doing good, right? But the thing is, is that we're also, they're not, they're not doing good and they don't have people who are listening to them. And as a result, building systems and putting supports up and around them to help them be better because actually no one's doing good and no mm-hmm. one is focused on being better. We're, we're gritting mm. our teeth, right? We're girding our loins and we're putting our head down and we're moving on for some reason without attending to the real heartbreak um, and sadness and trauma um, that we've all experienced. So all this to say, kids aren't, no one's doing okay. Yeah, no um, one's doing okay. And, and young people who have fewer tools and discretion and autonomy are, are doing less well. Now put on, on top of all of that, like you're queer, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're gender expansive or you're trans. And again, great on you if you've got a, if you've got a supportive parent. And there, there are parents out there who love their kids, right? Who understand it's their job to, to love and support their child and to meet their kid anew at every single developmental age and believe them, believe yeah. them, right? For who, what, what they are told, what the kid chooses to tell them about themselves. 
Then there are other parents um, who who insist that actually it's better that my child not exist than then be different than what I tell them to be. Um, and so, and it's those parents, sadly, who are uh, who are the ones who are taking over school boards. It's those parents who are taking who are challenging books, quote unquote, and getting books that would support their young person, support other young people seeing themselves or seeing people like their friends in literature or in curriculum. It's those parents who would rather have a, a dead kid than a trans adult, right? Who are who are pushing this um, political agenda um, at the school at the school board level. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You know, last question for you, Melanie, because I, I appreciate so much you laying out just where things are and where we are and the fact that it is OK to recognize and acknowledge, frankly, that we are all not OK. Um, I think that that is the first part of honestly getting to a place of healing is to understand that you are wounded to begin with. Um What I so appreciate about the work that you are doing is that the work has become dangerous, right? Like the work has become dangerous to be an advocate, to be out for a community that is targeted, right? To stand up for children has become dangerous. We've seen school board meetings turn violent, right? And so uh, the last question for you is, how can people that are listening find solace and even a balm in being able to support LGBTQ kids in this moment, because I often find that moving outside of myself in aid of others is one of the best 
avenues for healing. And so what 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 opportunities can you provide for people who are listening um, to connect to to Glisten and the work that you're doing? Yeah, I appreciate the question. So I've got two websites that I want to um, drop for your listeners to go to. Um, the first one is glisten.org slash rise up. So Rise Up is our umbrella um, campaign, right, that understands that even as we fight in the classrooms, even as we fight to make the rules and the policies work for our kids, there's a need to be in the streets. There's a need to be visible and vocal in our support of these children because kids come here and they believe they, they know nothing about planet Earth or this thing that we are calling society. I'm also air quoting for people who are just mm-hmm. listening. Um they don't know anything about this place and they learn everything they know from pe- from the people around them, from the adults around them. And whereas they might be hearing, whether they're hearing supportive or not affirming things at home, whether they're in a school district, in a school classroom community and education community that affirms them or not, we want to make sure that they see that there are adults who see them, who celebrate them, who support them and who are taking a stand to advocate um, and rise up for them. So if you go to glisten.org slash rise up, you can sign the pledge there. Um, it says that you pledge to advocate for young people, for queer young people, um, and to rise up against hateful anti-LGBTQ plus bills and rhetoric. And that will put you kind of in our system where you'll be, um, put, uh, you'll be kept up to date on action alerts, et cetera. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you'll see other people um, by zip code who have taken the pledge. And so you'll actually understand how many people are out there just like you who are rising up for LGBTQ plus youth. So again, glisten.org slash rise up. The other thing I would offer is, you know, again, back to my uh, my policy and data nerd uh, bag, uh, which is that we love a map. Honey, we love an interactive map. We love data. (laughs) So Glisten is good for Glisten is good for data and information. If you go to maps.glisten.org, you can see our mini featured maps. There's Rise Up Proclamation. So you as an individual can take the pledge to rise up for LGBTQ plus youth. You can also, uh, we also have sample language where you can download it and give it to your representative. That's the city council, that's the school board, that's a mayor, that's a governor, uh, it's anybody in your state legislature. Uh, to do the Rise Up proclamation to say that actually we're going to govern with respect for the beauty and diversity of all of us and support LGBTQ plus young people. So there's a kind of a policy intervention there. And we also have um, other state level maps that give you various levels of information about like, hey, what does it look like for queer kids on the ground in this state? there are a couple of states that have, you know, perfect score, seven out of seven. There are some states, and I'll let your I'll let your imaginations run wild about which ones those are that have negative scores, right? If the, if yeah. the maximum um, is positive seven, there are places that have a negative seven um, rating, right, for what it is to be an LGBTQ plus kid in schools based on experience, their own experiences, as well as the policies that support them. And so I would say get informed, go to maps.glisten.org get involved, um, sign the Rise Up Pledge, and find people around you. Um, we also have like super dope swag. We got lawn signs, we've got bumper stickers, we've got shirts. There's a whole merch line that's dropping in the fall. Um, and so uh, pick up your your merch. Um, if you got a yard, um, which I'm in New York City, nobody has a yard, but if you have a yard, <laughs> right. um, make sure to get a, a yard sign um, and put it out there and let, let everybody know, including uh, young people who are who are always looking to us and to you for signals about who they can be. Are you safe? Can they be their full selves? 
um, uh, get, uh, get loud and get vocal and get visible in your support for queer kids. Melanie, I can't thank you enough for making the time to join Woke AF. I can't thank you enough for the work that you and Glisten are doing. Um, it gives me hope and sustains uh, my mustard seed of, of faith uh, that, you know, there are good people that are doing good work to try and better our society. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on. I just really appreciate you as an individual and also this space um, that you continue to hold where you continue to invite all of us in to action and to dopeness and to depth um, and understanding that we all have a role to play. Um, so just really appreciate you and the pod um, and also all the all the hats that you wear on and off the, uh, you know, I don't know, on and offline um, and on and off um, of the airwaves. Appreciate you. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.